Hey guys, this is Pete. Before we start the show, I just wanted to give a quick shameless plug for my debut novel entitled Frankenstein, A Life Beyond. It's the first direct sequel to Mary Shelley's classic and follows Ernest Frankenstein, the sole survivor of the original book. Like mystery, adventure, romance, horror, then this is the ebook for you. Check it out today on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and my website, EnceladusLiterary.com. That's E N C E L A D U S Literary.com. Thanks. Now on with the show. Welcome to Hindsight is 2020, a show where we look at anything in this world and arrogantly say how we'd fix it. And I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. These two idiots. <laughs> we give our thoughts on movies and TV shows that should or should not have been. Hermione's left me. <laughs> she went off with Neville Longbottom. All right, all right. Oh my God. I hate that brick. All right. <laughs> Curtain. With your host, Pete. He's like, that's not a spell. <laughs> can't just, uh, you can't just add. Hey, you're the worst <laughs> lover ever. Yeah, yeah, forget it. Cause... <laughs> you can't just add Iticus to the end of every Oh word. my god, you're fucking Cho Chen in our bed. Uh, forget it. <laughs> Big time, forget it. <laughs> and Greg. Oh, you're just going to let me live? Like, yeah, yeah, you yeah, now you're the man who lived. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not bad. I wouldn't like I wouldn't mind being known as the man who lived. They're like, wait until he gets out of the world and finds out people see call them nut eye. <laughs> nut eye moody. <laughs> and we slowly and mercilessly beat our subject to death. I, I got problems. I got fundamental problems with that too. Like the Hitler of the wizarding world. He's like, I want to, sh- I want to, I want to stage the final showdown at the high school <laughs> behind the gymnasium. <laughs> you will meet your death. <laughs> How do you take that guy seriously? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just like you, like if you, if Hitler was like, I'm gonna take on the Allied forces and the president of the United States. At PS 193 <laughs> in the Bronx, it's going down. Like, why there? You can go anywhere, top of a mountain. And another episode of Hindsight is 2020 has magically found its way into the world. Magic? And, oh, we're here to talk about magic. And not the Tony Orlando and Dawn type, which I don't even know if he did the song Magic. Somebody in the 70s did the song Magic, and it was cheesy, and we're not doing that. But I could use that. Oh, oh, it's magic, you know. (laughs) Um, Speaking of magic, we just found out Doctor Strange was cast. Hey, hey. (laughs) Having nothing to do with Harry Potter, but uh, we're all about magic, and there's going to be more Harry Potter movies coming out. So uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is Doctor Strange, and that's interesting for some reason that British magicians are all the rage. Because we're going to be talking about the British musician, magician that all the British musician, famously known as rock star Harry Potter, and his. Uh, it's too bad they didn't just do Job from <laughs> Harry Potter and his lightning bolt band. Uh, um, 
we're we're in the world of Potter, and what we're doing here is they have announced three new movies that they're gonna Warner Brothers is gonna put out, screenwritten by J.K. Rowling. Mm-hmm. Oh, directed by David Yates, who did the last four of the official Potter movies, and we thought, hey. And then that was it. We just both said, hey. <laughs> that's that's something we both know. <laughs> hey, hey, all right. So let's do Star Wars again. Uh, no, I can't do no Star Wars no more. You want, you want to do 88 seconds worth of Star Wars talk? <laughs> 88 seconds, go. Pew, Black Stormtrooper, girl on speeder bike, sword it looks lightsaber. Like a dining room table. <laughs> sword lightsaber. Hilt, craziness, Millennium Falcon, Badoosh! It's still a year away, folks. So uh, we're gonna we're go. Done. Okay, we 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 addressed it. <laughs> so now that we've gotten everything else out of the way, Harry Potter, mm. the wonderful Boy seven, yeah, it's a wonderful seven movies that are seven books, eight movies, or was that yeah, eight yeah. movies. Uh, starting the wonderful craze that we're stuck in now of uh, your last movie has got to be two movies for some reason. And um, I think you just na- nailed the reason. <laughs> <laughs> because Harry Potter did it. Because Harry Potter did it. <laughs> Can't Harry do it? <laughs> but what is Harry doing now in the future? And we're going to talk about our ideas of what they could do on a Potter follow-up and very briefly what they're actually going to do. Uh, the very briefly, the new movies is a, a new trilogy based on the spinoff book that Rowling wrote in 2001 called Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which is a textbook, like Harry's textbook in like the first or second year he was at Hogwarts. And uh, it's taking place like 70 years before the time of Harry. So it's not like here's young Darth Vader or... Hey, look, there's Harry Potter's father. It's more like, hey, there's a magical world, and it's a big one, and not everything surrounds the Skywalker family or the Potter family. Thank goodness we're not getting a bunch of those scenes. (laughs) Severus Snape, meet James Potter. Oh! (laughs) Wink! Popping up. (laughs) Big old wink to the camera. Yeah, the Burt Reynolds is is cast as a teacher. <laughs> oh, Mr. Potter, you came in here like a lightning bolt. Wink. Oh, God, now I want to do, like, alternative casting with just, like, okay, take all the British actors out, set it in the 1970s. Who have we got? <laughs> Clint Eastwood, Paul Newman, and Burt Reynolds run the American Hogwarts. Hello, I'm Charlton Heston, and I'm Albus Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Albus Dumbledore's brother, Charlton Heston <laughs> Dumbledore, <laughs> the third. Ah. So, uh, outside of the Fantastic Beasts, which I don't really know anything about, outside of it being about Fantastic Beasts and taking place with Newt Scamander. Scam- All right, well, you bested me on those two things, so keep going. <laughs> well, thank you, Wikipedia, for helping me best you in a battle of Harry Potter wits. Um, it's a supposed reproduction of a textbook owned by Harry Potter and written by magic zoologist Newt Scamander. And it's the study of magical creatures. So, so gonna, wait, they're going to base three movies off of 
that alone, or is there other material they're using as well? No, I believe it's all based on this and some sort of uh, crazy adventures had by Newt Scamander. So I'm sure there's going to be a world built around that, but we have different ideas that have to do with Mr. Potter and where he goes from here. Where does Mr. Potter and his slovenly friend Ron... <laughs> and their pent up galpal. When, when did he become slovenly? <laughs> I'm going to be in the magic ministry. <laughs> Harry, Harry, can I keep hanging out with you? <laughs> <laughs> Do these guys really remain friends after school like that? I don't know. I don't. Oh my gosh, Dark Ron Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> I cheated on Hermione again. Oh, no. He who must be named. <laughs> Forgeticus. Oh, <laughs> uh, the Forgeticus jokes are going to be coming fast and furious <laughs> before this ends. So what? Uh, where Where do we take Mr. Potter from where well, we do we Well, do we want to go back and do what we normally do and kind of revisit how we got into this world and these characters and everything first? Uh, no. Um, anyway, oh. no. <laughs> go for it. Go right, well, for it. I'll, I'll actually start with a question for you. Uh, did you get into it through the movies or through the books? Solely 100% through the movies, through the and movies. it okay. took years. Did not see the first two for a long time. And there was kind of the Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter world for me of the early 2000s of, wow, I'm just not interested in these at all. Either one. And my wife made me watch them because she was interested, so we would rent them on DVD and <laughs> watch them, and I would fall asleep and not be too interested. So the first two Harry Potter movies I was not interested in at all, and it took watching the third one to then go back to the first two, and then by the time the fourth one came out, I was completely up to speed, and then by the fifth one came out, I had read at least two of the books already, so I I still haven't read all of the books, mm-hmm. but I have obviously seen all the movies now, and by the fifth one, I would definitely consider myself a fan of the series. Okay, fair enough. And I am guessing that with studious Professor English balls here <laughs> that you read all the books seven times before any of the movies came out. Oh, uh, no, not seven times. In fact, I'm pretty sure I've only read each of them once. Um, but I did, uh, my oldest sister had, I want to say the first three. Um, they had already been released, and I think I was just looking for something new to read and she's like hey you should check out these books and so i did and they're fairly quick reads and uh i got into the series and i was thinking oh these would be kind of fun to have made into movies and everything and i think it was probably only a matter of months later that the big potter craze really started in earnest and It just so happened when book four was about to be released, I was working at one of the larger Barnes & Noble uh, stores in this area. And, oh my gosh, the insanity around the release of that book was uh, something special to kind of roll through um, and experience. They uh, They had that stuff under lock and key. Um, People were, you know, trying to, like, pinch copies because they knew that they were going to disappear so incredibly quickly. You had all the, you know, 
celebratory stuff with people showing up in costumes and this, that, and the other thing. So it was kind of interesting to be a part of all of that. Um, I think the second, no, I think I did see the first movie in the theater. I didn't see the second movie in the theater. I saw that on a very, very small TV down at OU. (laughs) And even on the very, very small TV down at OU, um, uh, okay, the story's okay, but ooh, the effects, especially in that movie, are really bad in some points. Like the uh, Quidditch scenes um, look incredibly fake. And at least as far as the movies were going at that point, I was kind of going, eh, I don't know. And I don't think I saw the third one until, yeah, I got it on, or the fourth one. Um, I don't think I saw either of those in the theater. I saw both of those on DVD. And, yeah, when the third one got released, I went, oh, I like this. I like this presentation of it. And that kind of got me back on board. And um, I think I saw all the rest of them in the theater. So that was kind of my entry and exit points, <laughs> respectively, with the uh, both the books and the movies. Well, the repeating theme there being that the first movie, especially the second movie mostly, are obvious representations of a studio that A, didn't know what it had, or B, was too afraid to dive into what it had because they were made entirely with the the viewpoint of these are PG young children's movies. So young children, lightheartedness and and crazy goofiness and we can't go too dark and I think by the third film you put it in the hands of somebody like Alfonso Cuaron to come in as a director and suddenly he th- he takes the material for what it is and go- has his way with it and suddenly hey we've got ourselves a series here and not just a bunch of kiddie films and we can do it with these actors which is another interesting little tidbit thing I you know it would be fun to talk about in the future is what other series or movies have taken existing actors that were crap in one iteration under one director or something like that, or not crap, but just different, and managed to make something completely insane with the the same people. I mean, like something like Fast and the Furious franchise kind of comes to mind, where it's the first movie is totally about just car, <laughs> like car racing, car culture, but they managed to now on five, six, and seven of the movie 10, 15 years later are making incredible action movies with the same people, but different directors and going a different way. So I think that's where you get about Harry Potter three is you've got the same actors, but suddenly when you have a good script and a good director, it it makes a turn and forever grateful because suddenly four, five, six and movies seven and eight are some of the best. Well, it's interesting, too, because I can't think of any other series where, um, as the uh, characters in the books age and everything like that, the audience kind of ages along with them, in a sense. And, um, yeah, it just there you kind of open up the world a little bit more each time you delve into it and everything. So that's something that I think is kind of unique to it as well. Yeah, it's very unique for a movie series, but it's along the lines of a... TV series. Oh yeah. yeah. That's that's what the goal is of most TV shows is to do that is to start off with this group and grow with them. I mean, that's kind of we talked about it in an episode long ago, but it's kind of like something with Smallville 
attempted, is you've got all these people and you're going to grow with these people over 10 years. Well, Potter did it over 10 years, but they did it with $200 million budgeted major <laughs> motion pictures with the same actors. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's very unique in Hollywood history. It's not something that, I mean, Marvel's kind of doing it right now and everybody says it's the Marvel model, but you know what? It might just be the Harry Potter model more than anything is what we go back to of this not necessarily a shared universe with different movies, but the same actors and it's all tied together and you bring them back and you make essentially TV series movies that run over a period of years and allow a studio to mint money every year, basically. Yeah. Um, And Warner Brothers has definitely been missing that cash cow. Yeah, but now they're jumping back in hip deep with DC and more Potter, which mm-hmm. well, that's why we're here. <laughs> well, quick recap though of the yeah. eight of the eight movies. Mm-hmm. How would you rank the eight movies in your opinion? Oh gosh. Well, you I have think... thirty seconds. seconds. <laughs> I think three, four, and f- well. See, my problem is I've, uh, any of those latter ones, uh, anything post number five, I only saw one time. Um, and you consider yourself a fan. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not throw the F word around here. <laughs> uh, okay. Three would definitely be my favorite one. Um, I liked four okay. Uh Maybe the second half of book seven, or I guess movie number eight, I'd put up there. Uh, number five would be up there fairly high. And and then there's the rest. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just... I, the first one's just the first one. I mean, I don't really hold anything for it or against it. It just kind of... It, it's there. It is what it is. Um, the second one, again, most of my issues with this or with that one are just the look of the thing more than anything. Um, and it's just a little stale at points. Uh, I just don't care about book six or the movie. Um, just nothing really happens in it. Uh, even, and people probably listening to this are like, well, Dumbledore died. Well, that had to happen at some point hey, anyways. Hey, hey, spoiler alert. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he was dying to tell Harry Potter more about his parents and... Well, the half-blood prince. <laughs> Hans Gruber, the prince. Uh, the first half of, I guess, movie number movie number seven, not the first half of book seven, but yeah. Um, again, I don't remember a whole lot happening in that one. It was kind of like a continuation of some of the blandness of number six for me, so I don't know. I guess basically that's how they fall for me. Yeah, I'd go three, five, four, and then movies seven and eight go together, and then six is okay, and then uh, one, two. Two is the worst. Chamber of Se- <laughs> Chamber of Secrets is the absolute worst. It's just was it moaning metal? It's just uh, uh, <laughs> one can be forgiven for it being the first right. and getting their feet right. wet. Yeah. But flat out of the eight movies, 
I only call one of them a bad movie, and that is part two. Chamber of Secrets is damn well near unwatchable. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so. Well, I, I complained about the effects. What What is it that is the holdup with uh, number two for you? Uh, it just was like more of the again. I I, I say. They just didn't know what they had yet, and they had not gotten their feet wet yet. And it was Christopher Columbus still directing, and it was more more of the same. And let's do more of that. And well, we've got the book. Well, let's just. It was just the kids performed well in the first movie, but they were so horribly directed and horrible acting in the second movie and writing and uh. I don't know. I've only seen it like one and a half times, but it was just awful. So, uh, but th- that not being said, so we, we agree <laughs> three is the best. I mm. like five. Five is good. Yeah, I like five. So if we're spinning off and we have the end of movie number eight, which, spoiler alert, flashes to the future like the book does, 19 years in the future, and suddenly we see that Harry and Ron and Hermione and ginger snaps and their kids and <laughs> and and crazy draco with a mouthpiece and a tie are are all on the train tracks in their high school play with makeup where they all are meant to look older <laughs> yeah they did not look good at the end of that <laughs> and they're all on the train tracks with their kids sending them off to hogwarts and that it continues on and well, we see ron has just a, the castle got rebuilt <laughs> yeah so if we're to say instead of, uh, well, let's just say the Fantastic Beasts trilogy goes well, and let's just say that they go back to, to JK mm-hmm. and say, all right, well, it's been a few years now. Can we get Dan, Emma, and Rupert back together and see what we can do now? Without fake high schooler <laughs> play makeup. Yeah, they're all 28, 29 years old now. Can we bring them back and see what's happening would we care what is happening with Harry Potter and his chums post school? Is he doing any? Would he be doing anything, working as an Auror or whatever he ended up working as, that is of any sort of dramatic entity enough to be able to support another film to see where they're going? Or do we think that the happily ever after that we saw and read is enough to say? Yeah, the most important part of these people's lives is over. Well, we're going to qualify this with a couple of things. Uh, number one, I think, uh, to address the first half of your question, I think some of it, as far as the longevity or the interest level of it for the uh, audiences, is going to depend on how uh, these new prequel movies are greeted. True, but that's what I mean, is I, I think... If they're roaring successes, mm-hmm. then what's going to happen is Warner Brothers is going to say, we want more of that. And J.K. is going to say, I don't have any more. And then they're going to say, <laughs> well, we want to do more with Harry All Potter. Right. So let's bring back the original well, we, people. We we know these dorks who have this podcast, and we're just going to ask them, <laughs> write, write, write the script. <laughs> Fine. 
So <laughs> Harry Potter is married to Ginger Snaps, and they have a kid, and they are like the they're what like the Secret Service of the magic industry. Is that what the Aurors are? I forget. Uh, I they were as I recall. Again, it's been a little while since I've looked at this stuff. As I remember it, they like basically hunted down dark wizards and looked into. Um, possible illegal magic and all that kind of stuff so i guess kind of investigators slash federal agents for lack of a better comparison so the dea or federal marshals of magic kind of yeah so that would be interesting to see harry and ron working as these agents bert macklin fbi <laughs> and maybe having to go to different countries, different lands. Going like, like this Fantastic Beasts is supposed to take place in New York, so maybe they go to New York and it ties in with the Fantastic Beast story, and they find some old relic of Newt Scamander or something, and they have to find that, and it almost turns into a magical spy movie, like a magical James Bond, where they have to crisscross the globe chasing down some new dark magical force that threatens the world here's here's a question for you um since so much of the original potter verse is obviously set at hogwarts and in kind of the magic realm so to speak if he is moving or has moved into adulthood and obviously still had ties with growing up in the muggle world, um, would we want to see more interaction between the magic and the muggle? Or would we want to keep this more grounded in the kind of fantastical? That was one of the things that disappointed me. I don't remember which book it was. It might have been uh, Half-Blood Prince. But I know there was a whole sequence at the beginning with the Minister of Magic meeting with the Prime Minister of England. And it was I all cut out. That. And I thought that would have been really cool to see the... And they had a little bit of it when they had, um, you know, the, the bad guys attacking that Millennium Bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But that was it. And you didn't see anything else. And I think there would be a, a lot more interesting to have one of these bad guys cross over into the muggle world more and you know maybe harry has to team up with uh, harry potter and james bond team up to chase down this magical specter <laughs> in the new james bond movie that was announced today specter it's actually a team up with harry potter no kidding no. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic <laughs> something like that where you make it more international because Hogwarts is not the only school, and and I'm pretty sure that Voldemort's attempt to take over Hogwarts, a school, which we can get into, <laughs> we hear the jokes about. <laughs> While he's doing that, are, are the Argentinian magical school giving two craps about what's going on in Hogwarts? I mean, does it really affect them at all? I doubt it. Yeah, see, I'd like to see, and again, you can have ties back, obviously, especially if, if their kids are there. Uh, back to Hogwarts and the like, but I, I personally feel like it would be more interesting if you are going to look into the future and everything with these characters, if you do strengthen the ties to the real world a bit more, because um, you know, uh, going with that idea that the stories kind of age with the audience and everything, well, uh, the main audience has started out the journey with Harry, uh, they're not going to be kids anymore by the time we got to this 
part of the story. So, yeah, what you could do is if you do a new series of films and maybe a new trilogy or whatever you want to do, one of the big twists you could do is kind of the end of the Iron Man thing where suddenly the world is introduced to magic. Like, in order to stop whatever this bad force is, it's crisscrossing the globe, Harry Potter has to come forward. He makes the decision to present himself to the muggle world and to introduce magic to the muggle world on the internet or TV or something like that, and then people don't believe him. But in order to stop whatever this bad force is, he needs their help. So he goes to the White House or something, kind of like X-Men 2, or where he ends up talking to the president and telling him what has to happen. And and then we have an X-Men crossover where they go to the X-Men. Finally. The X-Men, <laughs> you know, the Xavier School of Mutants in New York turns out to be the American Hogwarts. And Wolverine is, is Canada's Harry Potter. And then we have... Warner Brothers buying the X-Men from Fox and then having an X-Potter and then the team up will be complete or something. Okay. Well, <laughs> maybe maybe his power is um Oh crap, why am I plugging on her name? I uh, don't know. Anna Paquin's character, what is it? Rogue. Thank you. Yeah, maybe his power is that Rogue can actually touch him and he doesn't die. Hey. Uh, uh, that's what it's all really building up to, folks. That's right. They're building up to the fact that he's that he's not a wizard or a witch. No, no, no. They're mutants. <laughs> <laughs> you hideous mutant. And Rogue says, he's my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and Harry leaves Jenny, and they he and Rogue go off on adventures in America. And then Ron shows up and... And using both magic and time travel like we saw in the last X-Men movie, it just gets crazier from <laughs> there, people. X-Potter and the <laughs> Deathly Stand. <laughs> <laughs> Days of Potter past. And it just never ends. Hogwarts first class. <laughs> ah, yeah! Let's see? go back and see the Hogwarts, the first class at Hogwarts. Let's do that. There's a, if you want to do a freaking prequel, let's get serious. Let's do a 15th century prequel. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do, let's do an actual prequel that talks about the four uh, house leader people, whatever their names were, Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff <laughs> and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and the, the two least known, and I can't remember the two well known. <laughs> out Slytherin and Gryffindor. There you go. I'm all about Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw. Apparently, I'm a Hufflepuff. <laughs> the ones that were mentioned four times in seven movies, and I can't uh -oh. remember the other two. Oh, uh -oh. that's how I'm thinking. <laughs> that's all right. I just blanked on Rogue, so <laughs> just well, that kind of night. Well, yeah. So I think there would be a good story. In all seriousness, with coming back to these guys later on and turning Harry kind of into an international agent of magic. Harry Potter, international agent of magic. Yeah, he has to track down the evil Neville Longbottom. <laughs> Neville has gone bad. Well, we already turned Ron bad, so <laughs> we'll just keep going. <laughs> I have to do my responsibilities, Harry, and my responsibility is to my family. 
and I was offered a hundred million credits to save my family if I blew up Australia. I tell you, I was under a spell when it happened, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have Jim Broadbent there to save me. <laughs> it's just my wicked personality, Harry. But does Draco Malfoy team up with this new evil, or is he reformed? Oh, I don't think we need Draco Malfoy at all, at all. <laughs> Leave him behind. I say all barely you... in several of those movies slash books as it was. I'd say all you need to do is get Daniel Radcliffe with some cameos by Emma Watson and Rupert Grint. And that's all that's all you need. Make a new story where he meets up with an American wizard who now works for the FBI and he's straddled the line between muggle and magic. The lines get more and more bored in the twenty first century and they have to globe trot around and again it's it's James Bond in the Harry Potter universe. And just take it global, take it out of England, take it out of a school, because it's unnecessary to be in you know a school I'd, anymore. You know what I'd actually like to see that I thought of while you were talking? If we were going to make some new threat and everything like that, what if whatever the new force was, was making it more and more difficult for the wizards to actually, like, use or employ magic? And you're forcing more and more of them to interact with the muggle world in kind of a new way anyways. Like a like a battery drain, kind of yeah. So rogue then, <laughs> <laughs> it is the X Men. We, we just get Anna Paquin to come in, and her name is Vogue, and she takes <laughs> magic powers away, and it's her revenge for being cut out of so much of all of the X Men movies for no reason. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, yeah, yeah, you have a uh, the bad guy sucks the power the the magical powers out, and Harry has to learn how to use a gun or something. Well, I mean, it can be it can be uh, just it it forces people to again kind of interact differently or look at the Muggle world in kind of a different way, um, and it also gives kind of a ticking clock, so to speak, uh, with as more and more people are kind of drained of this power and everything like that. And the power can be getting like used for some other purpose or something, um, either in the magic world or in the real world. And it just, it's something that raises the stakes and it gets a lot more people invested across kind of a broad spectrum. And in the second movie, Harry Potter gets uh, kidnapped and held by magical terrorists in the Middle East and they take away his powers, and he's all gruff and rough and tumble, and then has to escape the terrorist grip without using magic. But don't then, worry, Harry Potter, I'm your new Dumbledore. But in part three, he regains his powers, and Hermione and Ron and Jenny come to help him, and he doesn't need the Deathly Hallows because he's got the Deathly Friends. <laughs> and 
they form a new super spy group called the Deathly Hallows. <laughs> and the Deathly Hallows have become the Deathly Hallows. <laughs> the people. <laughs> we don't we don't need items, Harry. We have ourselves to dominate these people. Put those wands away. Put the wands away. <laughs> we will rule the world, Harry. Uh, Ron, I think uh, you've maybe gone a little too far. No, we're going to dominate the world, Harry. No one can stand up to us and our magical ways. Uh, Ron. Obliviate. <laughs> Ron becomes Dr. Evil of the magical world. <laughs> I'm going to rule the world, Harry. I have discovered I like muggle money and I would like more of it. Uh, so would we want to delve back into any of the, uh, we've, we've talked a lot about the good guys. I mentioned, uh, Draco. Do we want to bring back any other evil aspects, I guess, from, um, the original series? That'd be tough. Cause that's like trying to pull the Nazis in as your bad guys in a movie set in the sixties or something. It's like, eh, you know, only so much you can do with these guys, but at some it's point, about Indiana Jones for uh, uh, <laughs> part time. <laughs> so what we could do is just, there's a new big bad out there in the world somewhere. It has nothing to do with Voldemort or anybody else. It's just a new big bad so they're not trying to they're not trying to like uh bring in Voldemort's former followers. They're not trying to uh regain something of Voldemort's power. We don't have any links to him at all. We're making a clean cut and starting new with some kind of villain or villainy. Yeah, why not? I mean, you could have somebody who was a follower of Voldemort could say, "Yeah, I followed Voldemort." Or, you know, the big bad guy can mention uh, you know, Harry comes face to face with him like, I've taken down more than just you. Oh, yes, this Voldemort fellow. Well, Voldemort was a pussy, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> In comparison to what I can do, watch the monitor. And he blows up an island or something, magically makes it disappear. And it's the Lost Island. And then we have a big connection with the Lost. And oh, then, my, oh gosh. my God. The X Men fly in, and then Oceanic 815 crashes because of the magical problems that we have. And oh, it would just all tie together. And then Walter White. Oh. Oh, and then Walter White is making meth. And then <laughs> suddenly in the desert, the X Wing crashes, the X Men crash into the desert saying we're looking for oceanic flight 815 and aboard it was harry potter's cousin and oh my god it, played it, by benedict cumberbatch <laughs> played by dr strange <laughs> and then iron man shows up shooting at them and like, oh, oh my god oh gosh it's like we've gone to imagination land all of a sudden <laughs> it but... is it's imagination <laughs> <laughs> oh that would be i'd, I'd pay to see that <laughs> it's uh pat oswald's description of the new star wars movie <laughs> well without rehashing over and over and over again i think uh, that would be there there's there are potential stories to tell uh especially if harry is like some sort of magic magical you know secret agent of some sort though i don't I think... like that it, it kind of opens it opens up the storytelling and then we just see what he learned in school and how he's attacking these. What he learned by facing Voldemort, 
he can take down these guys, but it's a much more powerful evil. And how much of that magic of childhood can you take into adulthood? Exactly. He just shows the scar and somebody's like, oh, well, good for you. (laughs) That looks like a powerful tattoo, so I don't care. (laughs) 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 He's just hanging out in Vermont. (laughs) (laughs) Harry Potter's days in Vermont. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm Harry Potter. Okay, I'm Tim Jones. Who are you? (laughs) You can have a Kubrickian scene where all he's doing is just eating pancakes with maple syrup and (laughs) painfully watch him pour it and watch it like (laughs) ooze over the big stack of pancakes and then watch him do little cuts to the pancake and eat it. Over and over again, he's just going, but I'm Harry Potter. I'm Harry Potter. I'm special. I'm, Harry, I'm the chosen one. Yeah, I don't know. We we took this guy out of the institution because we didn't figure he was a danger, but he doesn't do anything now. Ron, have you heard from Harry? No, I haven't, but I did get a letter from from some sort of mental, mental institution in America. <laughs> Ron! That's Harry! <laughs> He's trapped in Bellevue! <laughs> we must break him out of Arkham Asylum, and then it... Batman shows up to break <laughs> Harry Potter out of Arkham Asylum! <laughs> well, there there you go. It, it turns out all of this magic stuff was actually all in Harry Potter's mind. <laughs> <laughs> Everything at Hogwarts <laughs> that took place was all playing out in his mind. And it's all Warner Brothers tied in, so suddenly Harry Potter finds himself trapped with the Joker in Arkham Asylum, and <laughs> Batman kicks his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter's ass or the Joker's ass? Both of them. Oh, okay. He punches them in their necks. <laughs> hey, Harry Potter, you've got a scar on your head. Must be from all the magic. No, it's from me and my lightning bolt generator from my utility belt. <laughs> something and he gave him the scar yeah and then keep it all in the Warner Brothers family and Harry Potter's stuck in Arkham Asylum I think you've gone overboard with all this DC crossover stuff <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've crossed over with everything but DC up until now oh well okay because enough. when Iron Man took down the X-Men okay, okay. in the we desert got it. we got it we got it <laughs> we now have Batman in the Arkham Asylum taking down Harry Potter because he's going crazy Okay, thanks. We got it. But then he gets kidnapped in the Middle East by the terrorists from Syriana for some reason. (laughs) And it just never ends. Well, I think that's cool. Harry Potter, secret agent of magic. Well, what do you think of uh, the Fantastic Beasts? Are you thinking that uh, they're, they're milking a cow that should have been dead a long time ago? Yeah, beyond that description that you read off of wikipedia and everything and not knowing much more about the book than that it'll be obviously interesting to see how they're received um and whether or not there's still an audience or an audience willing to go back and see um the same universe but with totally different characters and everything so could work out really well it it might not I think it's a very interesting movie experimental time we exist in right now because there's a lot of what we talked about in the past of everyone trying to follow the Marvel model. And I think there's this new model out there of the Star Wars and now Harry Potter where 
they're trying to create new stories that exist in the universe we know, but without the people we know. Because Star Wars is going to start doing it, and now Harry Potter's going to do it. And I think that's another interesting experiment that we'll see if it works or not, but it's uh, it's another way to go. Yeah, and um, I, I, again, you hope that any of these franchises that are going that way and everything, again, as long as they craft some interesting stories, uh, I I think that model could work just fine. All right. Well, now I guess we have ourselves some mischief managed. <laughs> what we'll do to that previous mischief manage is that we'll just uh, we'll just say Forgeticus. Uh-huh. Big, big time forget. Big time forget, I guess. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Episodes can be downloaded on iTunes or at EnceladusLiterary.com. He had a reason for going to do it. He wasn't just doing it randomly. He wasn't just like, he wasn't you know what I feel like tonight? Yeah. Let's kill a family. Hey. Opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect those of Enceladus Literary. Nikini, let's kill a child. <laughs> like, are you sure it was a kid's movie? <laughs> I'm bored, Nikini. <laughs> Nikini, I'm bored. <laughs> let's uh, kill little things. Let's kill a child. Right. <laughs> Off we go. He's at it again. <laughs> we- I don't like when he wants to do this. <laughs> <laughs> He's always starting movie series when he kills these babies. Okay, but ah!